0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door
1: with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
2: Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie.
3: Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special.
4: It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie
1: do. Soccer is going to explode, and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation, and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts.
2: Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to Burn It All Down, the feminist sports podcast that we really hope by now you really both want and need. I'm Lindsay. I'll be um, the director of events today, and I am joined by the entire Burn It All Down crew, Brenda, Shireen, Amira, and Jessica. First of all, a shout out to our Patreons. We've got Patreon.com slash Burn It All Down is where to go to support us. And we also have a Teespring store where you can buy Burn It All Down merch, which makes a great holiday gift. Today, we're going to be talking about Sports Illustrated's selections for Sports Person of the Year. Um, and why those selections and, well,
0: the entire list itself is pretty problematic. This is about the strength of the collective, and there's a way in which you declaw social movements by trying to whittle it down to the individual. And, then, of course, we'll have our burn pile, we'll have our torchbearers of the
2: week, and we'll end on a what's good. Those are my favorite Jess Christmas cookies or the Fala la And then this week's interview, which will be out on Thursday, is a conversation between Amira and... And the Penn State women's soccer coaches. It is the the holiday, the wintry season. So I wanted to start. I'm trying to get into the holiday mood, having a little hard time. But I thought we'd go around and say what our favorite songs are this time of the year. Jess?
1: Yeah, my I'm basic in this. So it's Mariah. All I Want for Christmas, when I play my first holiday playlist of the year, it is the top song on it that I've curated. It's the first one I listen to every single time that I bring up this kind of music. I just, it's a perfect pop song. It's a perfect song. Shireen. I don't celebrate Christmas,
4: but I love it. My favorite song as a child was Rudolph, apparently, used to sing it all year round. (laughs) My mother told me this. There is no audio, otherwise it would have been fabulous, but I have completely, in the last three decades, become absorbed wholly with the Little Drummer Boy, and the particular fixation of mine is the latest version by For King and Country. There's glockenspiel and and different kinds of drums. It is just a different level of intensity
1: and passion. I love that you're either like zero or (laughs) a (laughs) hundred. Is she She ever zero? (laughs)
2: I
3: love it. I love it so much. Bren, talk about basic. My favorite is Feliz Navidad by <laughs> the very famous Boricua, you know, musician Jose Feliciano. I think um, you know it really gets right to the point and repeats that point over and over. <laughs> and like, over
0: and over. So and I'm
3: over. good with it, and it's one of the few times you can see people taking a stab at Spanish that might not normally. <laughs>
4: I that was the first you know, Spanish I learned. Actually, it was pretty snappy. That, yeah.
2: I love it. And uh, look, I guess if we're if we're all calling ourselves basic, I of course have to join that as well. But for me, the song that just makes me cry every time that I just I love to get emotional, to listen to is "Silent Night." It's just oh. beautiful. It's just oh. beautiful.
4: I can sing that in German if you want me to. Wow, this is really good to know.
3: <laughs> With your Glockenspiel.
4: I can't play it, but I learned it in German when I was a kid. They taught us uh, a whole bunch of Christmas carols in different languages, and "Stille Nacht" was was the one that we learned in German. Wow, <laughs> I'm
2: not even like. Of course, you know that <laughs> song in German, uh, Amira.
0: I, um, I Mariah's album is classic. TLC's "Sleigh Ride," Insync's "Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays." Like, I'm very into like holiday pop. So Ariana's Santa Baby, like This Christmas, like all that. And it's like the only time of year I like gospel music at all. Um, So like Preacher's Wife soundtrack, Go Tell It on the Mountain, like all of it slaps. I'm here for all of it. Oh, sorry. This is also really important. In the Peloton holiday classes (laughs) I've been doing, they've also played this EDM remix of Dreidel, which is the dopest song you've ever heard. Like I have been running to that song all week.
2: Alright, this week it was time for Sports Illustrated to name their Sports Person of the Year, and it went with the framing of the activist athlete. For those unfamiliar Sports Illustrated names, it's typically one athlete, sometimes it's multiple, and they group them together like this um, to kind of celebrate and do a big feature on at the end of the year. It's very rarely women, as we might guess. (laughs) But this year, there were two women included on this list. I'm going to just read the Sports Illustrated framing of this, which is from a third-time winner who helped drive record election turnout to a newbie who spent the fall fighting a pandemic. This year's honorees, LeBron James, Brianna Stewart, Patrick Mahomes, Naomi Osaka, and Laurent Duvernay-Tardif were champions on the field and champions for others off it in our corner of the world the honoree that got the most attention was brianna stewart of course a big part of that award was for her activism in the WNBA. the WNBA's activism was about black women this year and it was led predominantly by all the black women in the league so there was understandably a lot of frustration and a lot of, I would say, backlash and outrage that Branna Stewart was the person getting the attention for this. So we're going to dive into Branna Stewart, this list, and everything we're kind of thinking about related to this topic. Shereen, you want to
4: get us started? Yeah, thanks, Linz. Um, So there's personal impact here. Like, I actually... Although I was never always a Storm fan, it wasn't my go to team. Had a lot of respect for Stewie from back in the Yukon days, but also her coming forward as the survivor, her to come out that way in a Players Tribune piece was very moving. She also opposed and protested the proposed Muslim ban many years ago. And, you know, that includes multiple intersections of race and gender. But this particular selection was. Unacceptable to me um, as far as the contributions to black lives matter it's not a competition and it shouldn't be we know all the work matters but the actual blueprints for this work were created by black women full stop amira
0: Yeah, and I think that friend of the show, Lish Lish Clarendon's tweet was really on point here. They tweeted at SI, SI now messed up by not solely acknowledging the WNBA as sports activist of the year, period. It should have been our whole league, including Stewie, to win this award. The W led this entire sports movement, disgusted at the constant erasure of black women, queer and trans folks. So I think that, you know... Absolutely. Points were made. Facts were stated. It's it's the erasure of many things. And honestly, a missed opportunity.
2: Absolutely. And I think as that tweet says, it's not <laughs> saying that Stewie, you know, doesn't deserve to be recognized, but it's saying that's missing the point. Jess?
1: Yeah. And so it's not just who was recognized, but they also tend to get famous people to do the profiles of them that they actually put in the magazine. And so the person who wrote about Stewie for Sports Illustrated this year was Megan Rapinoe. And this is such a bummer that Megan Rapinoe was participating in what is essentially whitewashing of the athlete activism this year. And I think it's important, I want to put this in context, Rapinoe, was SI's Sportsperson of the Year last year. And she gave a speech while accepting that award. And she called out Sports Illustrated itself and noted that how we tell stories and who tells those stories matters. And while we don't get to choose what it is that we witness, we are the gatekeepers of those stories. And we do get to decide how we bear witness to the world around us and to the truth that we see. She went on to say that they should focus more on women and rightly criticize SI's lack of diversity on the writing staff saying, quote, is it true that so few writers of color deserve to be featured in this publication? No. Then a year later, she's asked to profile someone for sports person of the year. She was there in the wobble alongside Sue Bird, alongside all of these black women and these black non-binary people doing this work. And then she agreed to do it. And I just think knowing all of that, it just Sucks like we know she knows better and then to see her make these choices and participate in this That's the particular bummer for me. And I just want to give a frame I want to show like the framework that she used to justify the inclusion of Stewie as an, quote, athlete activist for this year. She wrote, Racism is not a black person's problem. This is a problem that white people created and that we're going to have to face ourselves. You can't put the burden of progress and change on the oppressed solely. They're already doing everything they can to make the world better. So that's why it matters when you see white athletes like Stewie standing up and saying, hey, we need to do better. And that shift back onto white people, this is not <laughs> this is not the moment or the year for that kind of thing.
2: What well, frustrates me so much, like, I think she's missing the point of exactly the words she's saying. Like, it's crucial for white people to be allies in this movement. It's crucial for white people to be that. But white people should not, do not get to be the face of this movement. Like, that is not what this is about. There is a huge difference between, you know, solidarity and allyship and taking the credit, which is what it feels like Stewie is doing. And I think that's one of the most frustrating things is, of course, a lot of the outrage is directed at Sports Illustrated, as it should be. But- These are honorifics that the people know about ahead of time, that the agents are involved in the stories. Um, So Wasserman, the agency that Stewie's a part of, you know, knew about this. There is a world where Stewie could have turned this down. Absolutely. Where Stewie could have taken a stand here. And I understand that, you know, women are ignored so often by Sports Illustrated. We've only had four women ever get this honorific outright only one of them has been a black woman and that was Serena in 2015 so it's very rare for women to get this accomplished and Stewie has certainly had many years where on the court her accolades have been completely ignored by Sports Illustrated and you know completely overlooked but the way Sports Illustrated was framing this which we'll get to that in a second I just you can't This just this is complicity that they were complicit in Sports Illustrated going forward with a, a list like this. They cooperated and Brianna Stewart really hasn't spoken out much against it. She did just give a quote. Of course, she's playing overseas right now. And, you know, she did just give a quote saying that. You know, I have to give credit to the entire WNBA and to the majority of black women that represent our league. Um, and just to continue the fight with them As honored as I am. It's not about these things. It's about making real and actual change. And I believe that. I believe it. Stewie is sincere in her activism and has done a lot of great things. But that's why it's just so frustrating. Just like, don't accept this as a solo award right now. Just don't do it.
3: Bren. Well, you know, I I went back and looked at some of the winners and the award started 66 years ago. So there's there's quite a pattern that you can see here between the tension of is it an award about the athleticism or the activism? This was the first time that I found that they actually framed it in this way. So that's partly why it's such an important, you know, mess up job, right, that they explicitly did that in the past. There was even people that weren't athletes that were awarded, like Billie Jean King, the first woman in 1972, shared it with John Wooden. Shoulder shrug, right? Pete Rozelle, the NFL commissioner, won it for cracking down on gambling. Um, okay. <laughs> Brett Farr won in 2007, and um, the quote is, for his perseverance and passion. <clears throat>
0: And you can't forget that in 2015, the big drama about awarding it to Serena was that the readers poll for SI wanted American Pharaoh (laughs) the horse who won the first Triple Cloud since Mm -hmm. 1978 to win and a lot of the blowback that year was people under Serena's picture saying you have no guts you didn't name a horse American Pharaoh as your sports person person of Mm -hmm. the year.
3: I mean it's precisely that and you know you have Billie Jean King and of course we think that should be an obvious both on and off but also then you have chris Ever, shoulder shrug again in 1976 so just saying this is not the first time that they've shown both their bias and and also the tension between what the award even is
2: yeah and that's a huge deal this year because obviously on the court stewie was the had this remarkable comeback and she uh Won the championship and was WNBA finals MVP and, you know, was a contender for the MVP award. So they tried to combine this in a weird way, right? Like to be like, she did all this and she was an activist, but it ends up just kind of missing the point. Before we get to framing, I want to point out kind of some other problems with the way this list was composed. Shireen?
4: Yeah, after our first our discussion in the Slack that came up, I think Jessica had dropped it in there. I started to dig around a little more and what was happening and who was writing for whom and who the other winners were, and I couldn't help but notice that the person who had penned the piece for Naomi Osaka was Martina Navratilova. Yes, the same Martina Navratilova who is a very public transphobe. So I'm sitting back here and thinking, does. Dude, does, does Sports Illustrated actually think about this through? Like, did they? is this a good look to have, like, this very public turf come in here and write a piece that is supposed to be honoring a young black Japanese athlete who is very clear about her beliefs? And I just, this made me uncomfortable. You know, I think to pair her up with Navratilova was a huge miss. I mean, Naomi Osaka has been strong and been vulnerable and very public about her commitment to fighting injustice and again i get back to this who oversees this like this was literally the worst rollout of this kind of thing which could have been done with a little bit of thought just a little bit it could have been done and executed in a far more impactful manner jess
1: yeah i just think the entire framework for the person of the year this year in particular like we should be questioning that if they wanted to focus on winners which is the excuse used, right, for having Stewie on there, then they shouldn't have shoehorned in athlete-activists as the angle, and if they wanted athlete-activists, then they should have just fucking done it (laughs) and, like, been brave about it and actually shown us what athlete-activists looked like this year, and I just... That entire framework is so... As Brenda talked about, it's just... It's shitty. Shereen? I
4: also, in my little dive into this thing, it just ended up making me more mad, was the response from co-editor Stephen Canella, and what he said was this year's sports person honor is about recognizing athletes who reach the pinnacles of their sports in 2020 and also use their platforms in a variety of ways to take action, create awareness and build unity. Brianna Stewart was the top player for the WNBA champion Seattle Storm and was named finals MVP. She did all that Less than a year after suffering a career-threatening injury with those achievements, along with her unabashed advocacy for equality for everyone, Brianna Stewart represents sportsperson's standard of excellence on and off the court." End quote. In no way is this a diss to Stewie. But like, I'm confused again. What are you celebrating? I also found Canella's response to be, the technical term is meh. Amira?
2: I know you have some thoughts about this. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think the thing that irritated me the most about it, like I kind of shrugged my shoulders at the initial kind of outcry just because I'm over these lists, but the response was insulting because it was illogical. It was just, it's like your justification is by listing their on-the-court accolades. So clearly, it's just that's your measure, and like Jess said, there's no need to shoehorn in a activist angle. There was just no need to do it, and so then you're left with trying to make this justification by saying, "And she also helps outside of the outside of the court." Okay, like, but <laughs> like you didn't lead a justification by centering her activism; you led it by centering her on court excellence, and so it's just, I think, insulting to intelligence in general, and. I think it's one of those things that just let your list out there and then shut the hell up. Like, you're doubling down (laughs) and making justifications is actually what's annoying here.
1: Jess? One of the things that gets me about this entire thing and sort of even recognizing their on-court stuff, which is, like, great, fine. I mean, we just did a whole episode on why I feel weird about sports and COVID at all. But the the thing is that I'm not – I had to remember – that LeBron won the NBA championship, that the Lakers actually won the title because the things that I'm going to remember from 2020 are not the championships, honestly. It's people not getting COVID when they're in the bubbles. It's Carl Anthony Towns losing his mom to COVID but then showing up to protest George Floyd's death. It's the athletes who sat out to focus on organizing. Natasha Cloud, Renee Montgomery, Maya Moore, for fuck's sake. It's the Atlanta Dream going up against their owner. It's the Milwaukee Bucks and the Wildcat strike. And yes, it's Osaka's masks and her answer to Tom Rinaldi after she won, but the winning is just tangential to even that memory, right? So it makes no sense to me that this is what they chose to honor after this spectacular year where a ton of unprecedented and important things happened.
2: Talking about shoehorning this all together, just really quickly, like, If you look at a theme, it looks like the theme for activism is specifically around the George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement that we saw this summer. But then they put in the COVID doctor who left Kansas City, the lineman to go fight COVID on the front lines, who's already a doctor. And that part of the award wasn't at all for his on-field accomplishment. So it's just, it's a mess. It's a confusing mess. Brent?
3: I just think we also have to keep in mind the conditions of production, Sports Illustrated has fired quite a few of their best writers. They have fought unionization. They basically treat them like crap. And this is what you get, you know? A lot of people that scurry around trying to create clickbait. So I think that's really important to think about, that it used to be, according to a lot of people, a pretty good gig. And over the last few years, they've done everything they can to degrade the conditions, the working conditions of the writers that are there. Absolutely.
2: And who do they think their audience is, too, with this list is something I keep thinking about. It's like they tried to make it not too black, not too focused on one thing by including white athletes, by having white people be writing these the intros, and by including, you know, Laurent DuVernay uh, Tardif, who is phenomenal, absolutely. But to me, it just shows some cowardice. Shreen?
4: I just want to say I predominantly read Sports Illustrated only when Jessica publishes there. And also, Brenda and I wrote there a long time ago for the Women's World Cup. That was a long time ago. But I mean, just to say who their audience is, it's like, I don't know, but does it even matter at this point?
3: I also go back to the question of individualization. So you have a social movement, and you have activism, and you say that this is something that you're going to celebrate an award. But at the end of the day, what we usually see is the tendency to isolate an individual, and that that really does have everything to do with sponsorships with you know a capitalist imperative of branding of co-optation of those social movements how can we make them profitable and what you do is you isolate individuals that you think and i think part of the brianna stewart thing is looking at a young athlete that you plan to market for the next x amount of years and you can say that that's cynical but i mean that's like precisely in the business plans of these people and we see co-optation of social movements throughout the 20th century, and sports has just gotten better and better and better at it. So I think there's a real question, like, is there any other way for them from their business plan sort of perspective in the way that they work with agents and the way that they work with Wasserman to not do this? And I just think there might not be. Amira?
0: Yeah, Bren, I think that's a really important point. And Look, I'll be real. I'm so burnt out with these lists and mm-hmm. even the discussion around them. And let me tell you why. There's two things happening here that I feel very uncomfortable with. One is that point that Brenda just made about the need to find like an individual face to commodify around these things. And this is outside of sports. We just saw this in a thing that MSNBC put up, thinking about who was going to be the Times person of the year. And in that, they had listed a few individuals, and then they had a picture of George Floyd, and under it said social justice, racial justice movement. And the fact that the need to still find an image, right, even a post-hominist image to, to contain multitudes, because the energy here is collective action. And that's what we see. And so Leisha's tweet that I read earlier in the show was almost the most on point thing because this is about the strength of the collective. And there's a way in which you declaw social movements by trying to whittle it down to the individual. And this is like what happens, right, with civil rights historiography, like all of this stuff when it becomes Martin Luther King, when it becomes just Rosa Parks, and we lose sight of actually the groundswell of feet on the ground and people together coming together, which goes into the other thing that makes me really uncomfortable about it, is part of a revisionist framework live in action of what this year has been in the first place. It's Gwen Berry getting an end of the year Toyota humanitarian award, right? Months removed from still being on probation for saying the same thing that corporations can now say and collect bread off of those statements. It is a process to me also running and retreating into these like end of the year things, trying to sum up a year that was anything but normal. It's a search for normalcy in a year that, it, that doesn't exist. How are we making lists and naming people who excelled in sports? Sports when sports was anything but normal, how can we even wrap our heads around it? And it, to me, that's why they feel so insufficient. Like the people that were applauded are tremendous athletes. They won championships like Jess pointed to. I barely even remember. The things that Jess just named is what I remember. All I can think about now, even what we're talking about, is Keontae Johnson falling face first on a court this weekend. And because of the age we're living in, we don't know if it's a heart condition. And we are immediately thinking about my microchiroiditis. I still haven't learned how to say this stupid heart condition. That's what I'm thinking about. This year is not normal. These end of the list generally are kind of like, oh, somebody got the end of the list award. But in this year, especially with this kind of surface level engagement, this kind of shoehorning attempt to gesture to athletic activism to capture the energy and the collective action that we saw over the course of the year just strikes me as completely superficial. That's why I'm frustrated. It's inarticulate, but my deep Feeling is that no list could ever capture the energy and the heart and the resiliency we've seen from people this year in and out of sports, all of it. We don't have a word for that. And so we can't put it on a list, but that's my sports person or people or whatever of the year.
2: In this week's interview, which will be out in full on Thursday. Amira talks with Penn State women's soccer coaches Erica Walsh-Dombach and Ann Cook about the joys of coaching, their friendship, and coaching through this, I think it's safe to say, relentless year of 2020.
3: It's what makes you so proud when you do
4: lift that trophy is you kind of look at the story of each of these students and you go, let me tell you about her story. Not let me tell you about her playing time. Let me tell you about her ability. Let me tell you about her journey because every one of them makes you so proud because all of them come with these ups and downs for the four years as they grow and begin to learn who they are.
3: The winning is lovely. Like, but part of why Eric and I work well together and, and Tim and
2: Kara and, the, and our whole staff is that we're driven by. relationships that we build. And so
3: for me, the letter that comes after graduation or whatever is, is
1: kind of what I live for. Hey, Lindsay, are you busy Mm -hmm. right now? It's a busy time of year.
2: Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh.
1: (laughs) I know. I was thinking about like how December, we're like in a pandemic, the holidays are coming like any second now it's cold. I don't know. Everything feels hard right now. And I just think we should all be making part of our life easier. And if you are looking to hire someone, Indeed can help you do that. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person that you need to keep your business going. Best of all, you only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to indeed.com slash blue wire offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply.
0: All right. I have realized I have done y'all my uncle quentin and everybody such a disservice by only telling you about football bets on bet online like obviously we know that they go the extra mile to give you game spreads and totals and teams and players and coaching you know i've been saying they give you more options to wager but How silly of me to say all the options only for football because they literally give you all the options to wager like more sports than just that. For instance, you could lay a bet on Snooker, which I Googled and it's sort of like pool, like everything you could do if you know you want to lay a bet on album of the year, Jess, you can go. Hyper Taylor, she's at negative two fifty odds, which again I don't know what that. I don't know what that means either. (laughs) But you could do it. So they have all the Grammy awards there snooker table tennis all of the things if you're really uh you know masochist and you want to do political futures you can even lay a bet on who will <laughs> win the 2024 election
1: oh no 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 yes. No, no, yes, no that no. Is <laughs> <actually> <laughs> <fair>. <laughs> <laughs> but by uh, far uh,
0: <laughs> my absolute favorite thing that you can go bet on right now is competitive eating you can go lay a bet on if joey chestnut in the hot dog contest for 2021, will be over or under 74 and a half hot dogs. Mm. So, listen go to Bet Online, take advantage of all the sign up bonuses, bet on some hot dogs. Don't forget to use the promo code BlueWire at betonline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts on clearly everything. I wonder what the COVID protocols are at the hot dog eating conference. I try not to dwell.
1: <laughs> that is such on a brutal all down question.
0: <laughs> How will they be handled?
1: Oh, gross.
0: All right, friends, it is
2: time to get straight to the burden pile. I'm going to start with Tulsi Gabbard, who uh, introduced a bill that would ban trans women and girls from women's sports. Note that Tulsi Gabbard, who is the Democratic representative from Hawaii and a former 2020 presidential candidate, did this on her way out of the U.S. House of Representatives. She did not run for reelection and she is, you know, leaving the house. So this is her final act. Uh, She named this the, Protect Women's Sports Act. She co-wrote it with Republican Oklahoma Representative uh, Mullen. Um, And it's very similar to a bill that Republican Georgia Senator Kelly Loeffler, who is a burn pile mainstay, introduced called the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act Act. Gabbert said about this bill that it will make sure that Title IX's original intent is protected, which was based on the general biological distinction between men and women athletes based on sex. That was not at all, like, (laughs) Title IX, that is not at all what this was about. I'm infuriated. I feel like a broken record bringing up these bills every single time they're presented. But I think it's so important that we don't get numb to this bigotry and that we don't allow people to keep using women's sports to justify their bigotry. I want to send love out to all of our trans listeners. This bullshit will not be tolerated and we will keep fighting bullshit like this. Tulsi, I'm not going to miss you. And I'm glad I got to throw you on the burn pile, I must say. Burn.
1: burn. 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 Jessica? So mine is also a basic burn pile today. I feel like all I need to do is read what happened and we can shout burn and move on. It's the kind of straight up misogyny we see all the time in sport. But just as Lynn said around transphobia, because of that ubiquity, the way things are normalized because they're common, I just feel like we have to keep telling these stories over and over. So here's what happened. A semifinal between Galway and Cork, two teams in the Ladies Gaelic Football Association in Ireland, was moved from Limerick to Parnell Park because the men's hurling team needed the Limerick Stadium for a training session. Here's what Anna Kenny at the Irish Times wrote about this. Quote, The Limerick County Board justified the move by saying that it had been made clear in advance to the LGFA that the Limerick hurlers would get priority over the ladies football semifinal were they to require the use of the pitch. And the LFGA issued a statement stating that they fully understood Limerick's wish to use their own venue for training. The statement also said that the LGFA was grateful to the Dublin County Board for making Parnell Park available. But then they get to Parnell Park and it's fucking frozen. The pitch is frozen. So the semifinal had to be moved again. And then because of the last minute change, they no longer got TV coverage. And one of the teams, Galway, said the venue shift meant they only arrived 30 minutes before the match started and had almost no time to warm up. In her piece, Kenny quotes a young athlete, Sophie Turley, who is a 17-year-old who plays minor football for Louth, talking about how normal this all is for girls and women in Ireland. Quote, from under 12s to minor... I wish I could do an Irish accent. Darn. Okay. Quote.
0: I can From help. I was about to say No. I was
1: about to say Sharita's about to try to jump in. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm sorry. Quote. From under 12s to minor, it's been the same. We might not know where we're training until the night before. Our coaches will be phoning everywhere looking for a venue. I'm pretty sure that's never the case for the boys. Of course not. And that's why I want to burn this whole thing. Burn. 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 Burn, 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 Bren. This week, the LA Times published a harrowing
3: story by Patrick Ruby about women's volleyball player Haley Hodson. She's suing the NCAA, and it's because of what happened to her while at Stanford University, that place with a real spotty record of athletics program. The incident that occurred in 2015 involved a Stanford practice where Hodson had to perform a, quote, courage drill. And that drill basically means that players are standing about 10 feet from the net and a coach on a chair basically tries to, um, I don't know the good volleyball terms, but whatever they are, um, hit the ball at them kind of purposefully extra hard and at their head and they're supposed to practice dodging that but she didn't dodge it and she got a pretty severe concussion and had all of the symptoms this was on a Tuesday she was cleared for practice and full play on Sunday she was further injured throughout the next year or two, suffered major bouts of depression, vision problems, headaches, everything just uh, that you can imagine, every sort of symptom, every sign. And yet she kept being cleared again and again. So Hodgson's suing the NCAA, and what she's asking for this huge ask is for college coaches and athletic trainers to properly treat brain injuries and to monitor and discipline those who fail to do so. That's a quote from the piece. I wanna burn that it takes a lawsuit for that to happen. How is that not already happening? You know, Stanford, oh my God, look at that endowment and tell me they can't invest in training the people who are full-time employed at their university to know how to treat brain injuries. Tell me they don't have access to the highest level of neuro medicine because they do. And so I just wanna burn that this woman who like power to her and total respect has to go through a lawsuit for everybody to have the basic. So I wanna burn that. Burn Burn. Burn. Shireen
4: yes I'm real mad this week and it doesn't differ from most other weeks let me just begin this burn with a tweet please note the intense sarcasm in my voice Baytar Jerusalem FC his royal highness Sheikh Ahmed bin Khalifa al-Nahyan and Moshe Haggag make history and become equal partners in FC Betar. This is the first fruit of the Abraham Accords peace agreement. Thank you, President Trump, for your vision of peace in the Middle East that has made this possible. If you'll excuse me a moment, I'll try not to gag and vomit all over my computer. I'm very pissed off. Betar, Jerusalem is arguably the most racist club anti-arab death to arabs is part of their team chant and half of the club was purchased by his royal whatever amir of the emirates and that Khaliji ass money which don't come at me with saying that Khaliji money is pure and good and this is good All of this is garbage. Emiratis don't get to speak for Palestinian oppressed people whose land is occupied and live under brutal humanitarian conditions. There is not a single Palestinian who's ever played for Beitar Jerusalem. They don't appreciate anybody else, hardly any Muslims or any Arabs at all. And the response to Beitar Jerusalem FC being 50% sold to Emirati Arabs has been predictably terrible there's been a slew of online slurs and abuse and virulent racism directed not just at the owners but just general people who aren't supporters or ultras of the club and I think this is something that we can point to that adds to the sport watching this whole thing Is about money and power and control. I hate it. I'm so angry at this. This has no place. And guess what the fuck UEFA is doing about this? Guess what the fuck UEFA has ever done about this? Nothing. So I want to take that. I want to take that racist-ass, anti-Arab, anti-Indigenous in Palestine, Khaliji money, and shove all of that fuckery, all of that racism on the burn pile where it belongs. Burn. Burn wanted to say that with an Irish accent but it didn't work the burn.
0: (laughs) Amira? Um, Yes I want to talk about something that we see happening in Florida and um, I want to tell you that it's in Florida because as soon as I say the names of the high school you're going to cringe but just know yes it's completely common. So I want to take you to American Heritage which is a private school in Broward County. It has campuses in both Delray and in Plantation, Florida Mm -hmm. and It has been in the news for a while, for a number of things. But this week, what we have our eye on is the fact that they canceled a game between American Heritage Delray and American Heritage Plantation, uh, which was a big game. And they canceled it because two girls on the girls' basketball team wore Black Lives Matter shirts in warm-ups. I'll say that again. They wore Black Lives Matter shirts in warm-ups. And so the game was canceled. One of the reasons we know about this story is because both of these young women, Jordana Codio and Kadi Hessen, um, have been participants in the Indiana Fever's Erica Wheeler's uh, basketball camps. The WNBA players are the ones that have really helped raise the profile of the story. Christina Williams, founder of Girls Talk Sports TV, had a really important thread on this on Twitter. I encourage you to check it out. And But WNBA players have really swooped in to say, this is wrong. We can't let institutional racism thrive like this. And we are are role models talking about Black Lives Matter and being our full selves, this is awful to see this happening to these girls. But I want to take a minute here to also step back to tell you about American heritage, because This has been an ongoing discussion about private schools in Florida, particularly American Heritage, really flaccid attempt at saying something that amounts to Black Lives Matter. This is also a high school, um, if you remember two years ago, that uh, Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union got involved because their kid's basketball friend was expelled for reportedly cussing back at a teacher after the adult cussed at him and it became a civil rights case. This is the same place where over the summer uh, American Heritage put out a statement on Black Lives Matter without saying Black Lives Matter. They just said, we think everybody is... Cool and we celebrate diversity. Over 800 black students and alumni posted a letter to American Heritage saying the fact that you can't even say Black Lives Matter shows you how much work has to be done. One commenter said it's entirely spineless to let checkbooks of racist families influence the school so drastically that AHS feels compelled to not even take a mild stance in defense of the black community. Do better. This is a place where 24% of Plantation Florida and 31% of Delray Beach is black. And yet the black population in the American Heritage student body is only around 10%. And so it's at this private school where the threat of two girls playing basketball wearing a shirt that says Black Lives Matter Is tantamount to something that requires them to fully cancel a basketball game. This is clearly a fight that is nowhere near over, and it's clearly a long history of Black students and alumni and families connected to the American Heritage School System that have been fighting for years. And I just want to toss AHS on the burn pile because it's very clear that they do not value Black lives. They do not value the Black lives of their student athletes, of their student body, of the communities that they serve and surround and take basketball talent from while completely ignoring the concerns of the black people within their school. And so raise up the young women involved, raise up the WNBA players who are coming to the defense. And as far as AHS goes, we can burn them down.
1: Burn. 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 All right.
2: After that burning... Let's look at the positive side, the torchbearers of the week. Jess, who is our new coach of the week?
1: Vicki Johnson, who was just named as head coach for the Dallas Wings, making her the only black woman to currently be a head coach in the WNBA. Wow. And only the fourth former player to get a second shot at being head coach.
4: Shereen, who is our teen of the week? Big ups to Nadja Akil, the ninth grader at Valor Collegiate Academy in Nashville. I don't know if y'all remember, but she had actually been excluded from competition due to her hijab, which I had previously put on the burn pile. But she's been the catalyst for policy change. This young queen stood up, and this week, Tennessee administrators voted by unanimous decision to approve the wearing of religious headwear during play.
2: Incredible. The pioneer of the week is Mara Gomez. After a long battle with the AFA, the Argentinian uh, Football Association, Mara became the first trans woman to play in the Argentine Professional Women's Football League. Bren, who are our protesters of the week?
3: The players for Paris Saint-Germain and Istanbul Başakşehir. Who walked off the pitch during a Champions League game after official Sebastian Coltescu racially abused Istanbul assistant coach Pierre Webel? Incredible. And now,
2: my favorite part of every episode can I get a drum roll, please? Amira, who are our torchbearers of the week.
0: Yes, all the athletes who spoke up for the right to protest and pushed the U.S. Olympic Committee and Paralympic Committee to overturn their decision to discipline athletes if they protest at the Olympic Games. I especially want to give a big shout out to our friends of the show, Gwen Berry and Tiana Barnoletta. Tiana especially was very uh, involved in the athlete-led group that has been working all summer to push back on the U.S. Olympic Committee on this front. And it's really important to note that this is just the beginning. They're hoping that they use the USOC and Paralympic Paralympic Committee's influence to push at the IOC and overturn Rule 50 once and for all. But for now, let's celebrate this win. Congratulations! this This is a win for athletes, for workers, for activists. We see you and you are our Torchbearers of the Week.
2: All right, so friends, what is good? I have myself first on this list, (laughs) so I guess I will go. I will say I am super close to actually being moved one more week of really busy, busy things and lots of moving and painting and also Medicaid stuff for my mom. But I think at the end of next week, I will be in my new condo and have the Medicaid application in. and goodness, friends. Am I looking forward to that moment? We're getting very close. I did a very important thing this week, which is I picked out a pink color. <laughs> that was very difficult because there are so many shades of white. Did you know how many shades of white there were? I had no idea. It's just, it's really uh it's actually a problem. I'm kind of upset by it, but, uh, I, I'm not going to say what color I picked yet because I got to see if I like it or not. And then, you know, we'll see. But, uh, I'm excited. I'm getting closer. If I can only find a sectional this week. The sectional saga continues. All
3: (laughs) right. uh, (laughs) Bren? Not grading is so good. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) Any other teachers out there, you will know the experience. It's something like you're in some sad hole for a couple weeks straight and you look up and you look around and you realize that you know you don't have a clean dish left you don't have you know you don't have a t-shirt that works you've just been doing nothing and when you're not grading you're procrastinating from grading which involves not doing anything productive either because then you would feel really guilty because you should be grading so it's a terrible terrible cloud over one's head and then right after you know you get grade complaints before you're even done so there's that that's awesome and then you get sad because you get nice letters from students that are like i just want to tell you you know you changed my life and you're like me too and it's you know it's a it's a wild ride so i'm really happy um to close out this semester it has not been the easiest congratulations
4: um shereen I am really excited about more information about Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan, and the movie, and how Iman Vellani, who's actually from Toronto, a young South Asian woman, will be playing Ms. Marvel.
0: Ms. Marvel is a new kind of superhero. But
4: even watching the tweet about the concept of how she was created and who they have on board is really important and really lovely i never saw a young teenager of color specifically a pakistani in a comic book are you kidding i don't do comic-y things like i just never saw them myself represented in any way but It's not even just about that. It's just about who they have on the creative teams. And when we talk about representation, we know it doesn't just mean who's in the front. It's who's around it. So know that Shermaine Obed-Chinoy, who's also a Pakistani filmmaker, is part of this team. Like, Basra Khan is part of this team. Like, it's just, it means a lot to me also it's the season of claymation christmas movies and i go back to the little drummer boy from 1968 every year it's available on youtube i cry every single time now i also because i was procrastinating from my term papers and finals went down a rabbit hole and found out the little drummer boy's name is aaron not to be confused with the biblical or abrahamic aaron that we know of but that was his name, and this entire little drummer boy story was actually the, from the conception of the song, which was written in 1941 by a woman. So that's fascinating. And anyways, a little claymation of him, like with the drum, the little boy in the in the drum, like I, how are you guys even not crying right now? He, all he had was his drum. I don't know. It was very good. It was very good. The drum. Wow, that's a lot
0: that was so much uh mira i love it. I, um i have a dumpster in front of my house it's a bright green dumpster and i have it t- for two weeks like a literal mi- dumpster it's the literally best. a dumpster <laughs> okay. and it's sitting in my driveway i have it for two weeks and i am just decluttering i am oh. clearing out all this stuff old toys like the ones that are broken and can't go to goodwill like we have bikes so many old bikes i have no child who fits like these bikes anymore right like all of this stuff and i think that being in the house for so long we have just accumulated more clutter and of course the holiday seasons above us and in my family i have jackson's birthday in december my husband's birthday in december and samara's birthdays in january so there's just like a lot of boxes coming in and things and so Part of my kind of getting out of 2020 is just decluttering. And if you know me, you know, domestic life is not my strength at all, but I can do big projects. And so my big project right now is like decluttering everything over the next week. And I never thought I would be happy about this dumpster, but I'm really like, maybe this is like what 30 something is, but I am (laughs) very excited about decluttering. Um, And it's helping me get festive. Um, I'm also really happy because Samari is really into the holidays. And so, like, the angst is, like, really dialed down and the festivity is really (laughs) dialed up. And so she has, like holiday plans and a movie night calendar for all of the thing and she's like cuddling with me and we're watching things together and it's and she's doing the Peloton holiday workouts with me which are really fun and we're having such a great time doing it and I am just it's making me feel very festive and it's really fun to like you know cuddle with your 13 year old, because you don't always get to do that. So that's my what's good right now.
1: Amazing. And Jess? Yeah. Uh, so Erin and I are watching this ABC show. It's on Hulu. It's called Speechless. It's a 30 minute comedy. The oldest son, there's three kids in the family, and the oldest son has cerebral palsy. And Minnie Driver is the mom. And it is so funny and it's so smart. And the way that it takes on disability and like being in a family with someone who's disabled is so good and just refreshing based on sort of just our cultural understanding of disability so I just can't recommend speechless enough it is wonderful and then this time of year for me is always a favorite because it's my cookie making time of year so I started yesterday I made my first batch of sugar cookies today I am going to decorate them I did actually go out to a store yesterday, which is pretty rare for me at this point. Uh, because to do the special icing that I need for the sugar cookies, I use something called meringue powder. And I had to go find that. It's hard to find this time of year because of sugar cookie decorating. But because I went to a place that has it, I also had to buy new cookie cutters because it's like a rule. So I ha- I'll have nice little Santa cookies this year. So I'm just very excited. I think this is very fun. Last night I made the llama cookies the sugar cookies because those are my fa la la llamas and i just find this to be <gasps> very very Your fun fa-la-la-la-lamas. yeah so of course i'll be posting all pictures about this on instagram
4: those are my favorite just christmas cookies are the fa la la llamas
1: all right friends uh
2: that is all wait 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 we're watching things um oh also happy
4: hanukkah Hanuk- to everybody
2: yes happy hanukkah good call i'm watching uh, my goal when I finish this move is watch lots of Hallmark Christmas movies, so I'm putting that on here. Um, but we've also got the Champs League. And the big news for you, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, um, Stanford women's basketball Tuesday night on ESPN2. Top-ranked Stanford women's basketball team will take on Pacific. If Stanford takes the victory, that would make Tara Vanderveer college basketball's all-time wins leader passing pat summits record pretty big deal i'll be watching thank you to everyone we appreciate your support on our patreon patreon.com burn it all down once again a shout out for our teespring store with which amira has stocked with so much amazing merch that makes a perfect uh holiday gifts for yourself as well. I think I'm going to buy a few things for myself. Follow us on Twitter at Burn It Down Pod. We're on Facebook. We're on all of the things. We're almost done with 2020, friends. We're almost there.
0: A king to see
2: power up upon upon. We'll see you next week.
4: Me and my